And we'll give a little overview of what we preached this morning. And then we'll continue on in this passage. I'm preaching about this business of the three crosses of Calvary. And there was a cross of rejection, a cross of repentance, and a cross of, of uh, uh, redemption. So this afternoon, I'm going to be preaching a message on the uh, cross of repentance. One of the problems that we have is that people uh, do not read their Bible very much. Children, all right? Everybody, everybody here happy? All right, now I want you children to do me a favor. I want you to I want you to watch these adults to make sure they behave themselves. Amen. So they have a they have a tendency maybe to giggle too much. Or maybe a tendency to talk too much while I'm preaching. So if you'll just uh, be an example, it might help them, all right? Bible says to be an example to others. Amen. Amen. Nod your head so I can hear your marbles right away. All right. All right. You're fine looking young people, children, adults. I want you to think about this. And the preacher said that uh, uh, one of his things was that he didn't want to get some pastor in here, a preacher in here, to mess up the congregation. That can happen. I had a. Uh, I had a fellow come, and if I named him, you'd know who he is. Come from prom, prominent, pre, uh, uh, prominent fellowship of preachers, a bunch of preachers. But he came to my church at Slidell, and I had heard him preach before, and I thought he was good. He was an evangelist. And the Sunday night, we started meeting on Sunday, going to go through Friday, and Sunday night, he... Uh, preached some things on the home, and in the message, he said this. He said, a wife is supposed to submit to her husband in everything, even if he told her to do something wrong, something unscriptural. And I like to die of a heart attack. <laughs> and so I uh, got through that night. I he came to my house. I told him I wanted to speak to him. Me and my wife did. And he sat down there and he told us that he believed that if a man told his wife to commit whoredom, she was supposed to do it. I said, you're a heretic. I'm putting you on the plane in the morning to go back to where you came from. Amen. And I'll be preaching this meeting myself. Amen. And so Monday night, I got up and told the folks that... About, I said, now most of y'all were here last night. Those that you wasn't, well, you'll get education anyway. And I said that that's not what's supposed to be done. The Bible says, to him that knoweth right and doeth wrong, to him it's sin. Amen. And you need to understand and realize that a woman is not uh, obligated to do what her husband says if it's against Scripture. Right. And now I said, the Bible teaches that a woman or anybody else that's to suffer for righteousness sake. And I said, well, that's what you have to do sometimes. I said, I had a dear wife that I told her a time or two to do some things that she knew was not scriptural before she got saved, and she'd look at me with them big brown eyes, and, and she'd say, darling, you will not make me try to make me do something that I know Jesus doesn't want me to do. 
and my God would speak to my hand. I just walk out of the house. You see, the problem is you don't rely on God. You need to let God work. And that's the problem with most folks whenever they're living and growing up. And you young people, listen to me. You need to start now learning the Bible and learn what it says and do it. It will make a difference in your life and make a difference in your eternity. And so if you would do that. And you adults need to be an example. An example to them. So I'm going to be preaching a little while here on this out of this passage of scripture. I'll go back and give you an overview. But let's pray and then we'll just uh, start talking about what needs to be done and preaching. And uh, I'm going to ask you some questions after we get through. And I'm going to ask you a few questions and and during the sermon, but I'll ask you some after I get through. I want you to listen to what I'm saying here tonight, this afternoon, because. What I'm saying may make a difference in your life. Make it make a difference in where you spend eternity. May make a difference in how you live. See, when I got saved, I had to change a lot of things because of the fact that I was not taught the Word of God as a child. Had a wonderful mom and daddy. They loved me. My daddy was a good man. He was a good man of the community. He wasn't a crook or anything. He's a very honest man. Uh, he would, uh, if he told you he was going to do something, you could put it in the bank. And he is a man of his word. I saw one time whenever I was about five years old, he went to the bank and he told the banker, Mr. Uh, he was going out, Mr. Bridger was, and he said, Mr. Bridger said, I need $400. And uh, Mr. Bridger said, I don't have time to deal with you right now. And turned to a teller and said, give Mr. Osteen here, $400, and he said, I'll come back next week or so, and we'll make up the note. He gave him $400 without a note, and anything, he walked out of there. I thought, man, I would, I would like to be that kind of man. When I was over in New Brunswick, I, my car got, I got up one morning, and my car, which was an older car, didn't get up with me. <laughs> and so I got it started and got down to the Dodge place, and I, I went there and found what I wanted. It was $4,200, right at $4,200, and uh, a new car. So I, I swapped that one in because, I, I mean, it, I didn't want to have anything like that around the house because it wasn't good. And I wasn't going to deal with it. Well, I learned something about a motor and about cars. The problem with cars is they got a motor. (laughs) (laughs) And so when a motor messes up and somebody can't fix it, I don't fix it because I can't. But anyway, I went down over the banker and I told him, I said, I'm going to go talk to my banker and see if he wants to. Uh, finances, because I knew I could get a better deal through him. And I walked in, the banker was there, and he was getting ready to go out. And he said, what can I do for you, Brother Reverend Osteen? I said, I need about $4,200. He said, go down there and write a check, and I'll clear it. And you come back in here a couple days later, a couple weeks later, and said, we'll take care of it. And I did. Now, I want you to listen you need to be a man of your word. But you know you can be a good person seemingly on the, on the human side but still be lost. And go My daddy was lost. 
My daddy got saved the week or the uh, day after my second son got married. I preached that night that was having services, that was having the uh, uh, the uh, uh, rehearsal, and that church was having services on Thursday night. We'd have the rehearsal Thursday night, and what you want me to preach, I preached. Two men got saved. My daddy sat on the second row and started wiping tears while I was preaching. I didn't talk to him. God told me to let him alone and let him soak. And I've witnessed to him many times. And on the way back home, my son, my oldest son, who's my pastor now, was taking him back to North Louisiana about four hours away. And uh, he said that Daddy asked him as soon as he got out of that uh, out of town, said he hadn't hardly got out of town. And he said, uh, he turned to Lee and said, what is this born again thing that y'all always talking about? So for four hours, they talked to him about the Lord. Told him how they got saved, and my daughter-in-law and my son did. And Daddy said, he said Daddy would say, well, I believe that. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe he died in my place. I believe that I'm, that I'm lost. And never outwardly said anything but that. And he said, I believe that he'll save me. But the next Sunday morning, he went to church, and he got saved. I questioned my daddy a little later on. He said, yes, sir. I got saved right down that road with them, with them, with them children. And said, I got saved. And he whole, totally changed. There was a whole difference in his life. So when I was preaching his funeral, I told that story. And we had over 300 people there at that funeral. And the doors have kicked open, have kicked open in the Carwell Parish for me to hold meetings there. And I've held several meetings in churches there. And we have had, because of our testimony, and because of a preacher, my daddy's funeral, my daughter's funeral, and all that, we have had over 100 people confess Christ. And what I'm saying is, it makes a difference what you believe. And when you believe right, you will act right. But if you don't believe right, you don't act right. So you've got to believe right. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Bless this time that we have and help me to be faithful to say all I need to say in Jesus' name. If every person here to listen and understand that soul is going to hell, I pray that they'll get saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 23 and verse 39. Luke chapter 23 and verse 39. Luke chapter 23 and verse 39 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to give you an overview of what I preached this morning. And then I'm going to go on to the uh, verse 40 and on down. I want you to think about this. We preached on the cross of rejection this morning. But this man, Luke 23, 39, hanging on the cross by Jesus Christ, hanging by the Son of God, dying in his sins, he says in verse 39, one of the malefactors which was hanged railed on him and said, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. He didn't say you are Christ. He said, If thou be Christ. He did not believe that Jesus was Christ, was the Messiah. 
That word Christ is the equivalent to the uh, Hebrew word Messiah. He did not believe that. And because he did not believe that he was the Messiah, he didn't get saved. He didn't get born again. I've only led one Jew, Orthodox Jew to the Lord in my life. Only one I ever had an opportunity to, to speak to. Down in Florida. Was down at the meeting there, fellowship meeting. Me and my wife and my uh, sister and his wife, and we'd gone there to eat some ice cream uh, that night after the services. And uh, there was a couple of young people sitting on a tailgate of an automobile of a truck. And it was about 22, 21, 22 years old. And I walked by there and I just stopped and I said, uh, uh, you young people, let me ask you a question. If you die now, where would you go, heaven or hell? And the young man said, I'd go to heaven. So I'm saved, and I, I got saved. Gave me a testimony before he got saved. And I said, what about you, young lady? And she said, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I said, hallelujah, <laughs> praise God. I said, my Savior was a Jew. And I said, I think I, I, I love the Jewish nation. And I said, let me ask you a question. If I could show you from this Bible that Jesus Christ is your Messiah from the Old Testament, would you believe it? She said, yes, I would. So I turned. I had a full Bible in my pocket, small Bible, but I, I had good eyesight. Man. And I took it and went to Isaiah 53. And I said, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. She said, we never... Read Isaiah 53. I said, I want you to listen to what I'm saying and listen to what I'm here. And I, and I said, by the way, let me sit out here by you. I told her, young man, I said, you go on over and stand up on the side of the truck. I said, let me sit out here by you. And I took the Bible and I began in Isaiah 53. And I went down and I, was I told her how this was written. Isaiah writing to the Jews. And I said, in this, and as I read it, and got down there, he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. And, and went on and said that God was satisfied. And I said, and I'm saying now I can see God just gripped her. I can see her whole countenance start changing. And I said, who is this talking about? You know what she said? That's got to be that man. Orthodox Jew does not use the word name Jesus. He said, God's got to be that man. I said, this is your Messiah. This is, he came into his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, them gave him power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on him. I said, you have to receive him. And I said, would you like to receive him as your Messiah? And she said, yes, I would. She got off that truck, tailgate, and nailed down. And I have never heard anybody pray like this before. So. She said, oh, my son, we didn't even know who you were when you came. Said, you came to heal us. You came to save us. You came uh, to satisfy God. You came. You, you're the lamb that came for us and said, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Oh, what a blessing. You see, you will never accept him as your Lord and your Savior until you say that he is the Christ. 
Amen. He is the one that died for you on the cross of Calvary. That word Christ means Messiah. This fellow on this cross, he knew not his condition. You have to know your condition before you're saved. He knew not his condemnation. All have sinned come short of the glory of God. Everyone that's born in the family of God is born a sinner. And you need to understand that. And he knew not his companion. He didn't know Jesus. Now let's deal with this cross of repentance. In Luke chapter 23, verse 40 through 42. It says, but the other answered, rebuked him. Answering, rebuked him. And saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the just reward, or the due reward, of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing wrong amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, won't you notice that, capital L, O-R-D, capital L means that he is Lord, he's God, and he said in his deity, and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I'll deal with that in just a few minutes. But I want you to notice, this guy understood who he was. Well, take your Bible, stay there in the book of uh, Luke, but take your Bible and go to Matthew 27, 41. We're going to read the Matthew account of this. I want you to look at something in Matthew chapter 27, verse 41. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 27, verse 41. And I want you to look at what it says here. I'll give you a little time. This man also railed on Jesus. A few minutes before, he repented. He changed his mind, his attitude, his destination by believing what he saw and heard. You see, you have to believe what you hear. Remember the uh, woman called Rahab? Rahab said, we have heard. We have heard. You say, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why you need to listen and study the word of God. Look at Matthew 27, 41. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him and the scribes and elders said, he saved others. Himself he cannot. I cannot say if he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If if we, if he will have him, but he said, I am the son of God. The thieves, no, it's a plural, the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. This man on the cross of Calvary did not understand when he started out there on the cross there besides Jesus, not the cross of Calvary, but the cross with Jesus. There, when he's crucified on on that on Calvary with Jesus, did not believe. Did not believe that Jesus was God. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what he said here. Let's go back and look back over now in Luke chapter twenty-three, verse forty. <clears throat> I want you to look at something he said here. 
He said in 2340 of Luke, but the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? First of all, this man knew his depravity. You is depravity. He said, we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. He said, they're crucifying us, and we're receiving justly reward for our deeds. So he understood his depravity. You see, you need to recognize that without Jesus, you are lost. Without Jesus, there's no, no hope for you. Without Jesus, the only way to heaven is through Jesus at any time. And so you must come to him. You can be baptized. How many people have I dealt with, Pastor, that said, well, I was baptized. I'm okay because I was baptized. Baptism will not save you. Whenever you go down the water, it's not to save you, if you're truly baptized, it's after salvation, and it shows forth what happened in your heart. It shows forth the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and when you come out of that water, you are, uh, uh, are, are testifying, I believe in the resurrection. Amen. A wet center burns just like a dry center. Amen. You must be born again. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It doesn't make a difference what kind of religion you have. It doesn't make a difference if you have Pentecost religion, Baptist religion, Methodist religion, uh, 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 Episcopalian religion, uh, whatever else, a Catholic religion. It does not make any difference what kind of religion you have, a Muslim religion, a Confucius religion, or whatever. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So you've got to come to the point to realize that he is, he is the one. He knew the Savior's deity. Look what he said. He said <coughs> unto Jesus, Lord, <coughs> remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Thank you, son. Remember me. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He understood the deity of Jesus. Now listen to me carefully. This man is watching Jesus die. He's watching him being crucified. He heard all the sayings that he said on the cross. When he looked down to that crowd and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He heard this man as he said, John, you take care of mama. Mama, John's going to take care of you. He heard this man when he said, I thirst. I thirst. He heard this man said, uh, it is finished. He heard all this. He's seeing. He is seeing his salvation taking place just before his eyes. Amen. He's watching this. So he changes from mocking him. Thank you, Tom. He changes from mocking him just a, a little bit before that until now 
He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew the Savior's deity. Not only did he know the Savior's de deity, he believed in the resurrection. You can't be saved unless you believe in the resurrection. Amen. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I may have told this here before, but I had a, a lady over at, uh, over at, uh, Slide, I'm not slide over at Chris Francis. It came heard me preach for five weeks. I usually let people come hear me preach and let them soak in the Word of God before I visit them if they're visitors. I'll let them do that unless they ask me to come visit them. And after five weeks, I asked her one night, that night at the end of service, so we shaking hands. And I said, ma'am, can my wife and I come see you and talk to you about the Lord? And she said, yes, I want you to come see me. Said, can you come tomorrow? And I said, yes, ma'am, I can come tomorrow. I said, come about 11.30, said, I'll make you lunch. And said, uh, I want to talk to you about well, this business of salvation. I said, well, praise the Lord. And so we went. She made us a good lunch. Was a gracious lady. And when got through, I just pulled my chair over by her and took my Bible and laid it down where she could read it herself. And I began to go through the book of Romans and the book of John and a couple other verses, chapters, verses, and dealing with her about what's I dealt with her about what sin was. I dealt dealt with her about her uh, her sin. I dealt with her about Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary for her sins. I dealt with all that, and I got down to Romans. In Romans chapter 10, where it says that if thou shalt confess in thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I said, do you believe that Jesus was resurrected? She had said she believed everything else up to that. And she said, I believe in a spiritual resurrection. I said, what? I said, you believe that Jesus is body rotting? You believe that there's a tomb somewhere where his body is? And she said, yes. I said, you don't believe the Bible. I said, he got up physically out of that, out of that tomb. You see, he barred that tomb because he didn't need a tomb very long. He was just going to use it for three days and three nights. Amen. And nobody had ever lain in that tomb. That lets us know that it wasn't anybody else in that tomb before him, and he came out of the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. And I said, you don't believe that Jesus was bodily resurrected? She said, no, and said, if I have to believe that, I'll just, I will not get saved. I'll just have to go to hell. I said, that's where you're going. <laughs> Close the book. And I said, uh, you come back and hear me preach all you want to. But you cannot be saved until you believe that Jesus is resurrected. Now, y'all listen to me carefully. On the cross of Calvary, he paid for your sin. That blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Uh, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. But his sin, I mean, his uh, sin on the cross of, not his sin, but his blood on the cross of Calvary took care of your sin. You understand? And there on the cross of Calvary, your sin is gone whenever you believe on him and trust him. Your sin is not hid behind God's back. 
It's not as far as the east is from the west. It's not in the sea of God's forgetfulness. It's gone. You see, all of that sin of the Old Testament that was covered by that blood of bulls and goats, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. It'll just roll back, roll back, roll back. But when Jesus died, it's gone. Hallelujah. What sin are you talking about? Amen. Amen. There on that cross of Calvary, he died for us. And this man believed the resurrection. This woman never came back to church. I never saw her again. And she never believed, as far as I know. You see, people get messed up in their mind. They believe certain things, but you must believe that Jesus died for you and that you deserve to go to hell. I deal with folks all the time. I had a fellow in Quispam says that hated me. His wife, Betty McVeigh, got saved. I mean, she got gloriously saved. She came to church, walked about a mile and a half or two miles to church. Cold, winter, winter morning. I mean, way below zero. And she came down there and, and got in and, and she started listening to me. I let her sit there for three months. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I did not feel led to talk to her. I just kept preaching that Bible. I told my folks, let her alone. Just let her come preach. They'll hear me preaching. She would come every service. And finally, we was having visitation and meeting with one of my our men's house. And they were written, her and her husband was renting. Uh, a house from him and back behind his house. And I came out that night, met my partner to go to station, and Betty McVeigh was standing at the door just about, she wasn't over a hundred feet from me. And I looked up and she was waving her hand at me. And I said, hello, Betty. I said, hello, Betty. And then I turned to my partner. I said, let's go talk to this woman. She needs to be saved. I walked up the door and I said, Betty, I've come to tell you that Jesus will save you. She said, if you hadn't come after me, come to me, preacher said, I'd have been running after you. She said, I want to be saved. I want to be Amen. saved. And she got gloriously saved. Well, Betty, her husband, Cliff, was junkyard dog me. And I went to visit him. And he cursed me out and said, you blanky, blank Yankee, why don't you go home? We don't need you up here. Uh, and I mean, he run me off. I went away brokenhearted. And about, uh, about three or four weeks later, Betty came in on Sunday morning, and she said, Preacher, you won't believe what happened. I said, tell me. She said, Cliff has been listening to you on the radio and said this morning, he unplugged the radio and threw it over in the floor and stomped on it. I said, praise God, he's under conviction. He destroyed about four or five radios while, while I was there. And I went back and visited him two or three times. I went, I think it was three times or four times. And every time he'd curse me out and run me off. Every time. And I'm getting ready to go back to the States. And I went by and I thought, man, I've got to go one more time and talk to Cliff. I went by and talked to Cliff to talk to him, and he he was mad. He said, I, I'll tell you what, I'm glad you're leaving. We don't need you here, you blanky blank Yankee. 
and said, I want you to get out of my house. Don't ever come back. I, I stood there broken hearted, crying. And I said, Cliff, I love you. Jesus loves you. So I walked off. I went back to the States. About a year and a half after I was there, the phone rang. I picked it up, and Betty McVane was on the other end. And she said, Pastor, she had a distinct voice, and I said, Betty, how you doing? She said, Cliff wants to speak to you. I said, uh, put him on. Now he wants to cuss me out long distance. <laughs> <laughs> he got on the phone crying. And he said, Pastor, I want to apologize to you. He said, I want to thank you for coming and telling me about Jesus. Amen. He said, I want to thank you for coming here and let us know, let me know that Jesus loved me. He said, I just got saved. Amen. And said, You're the first person I wanted to talk to. It was worth ever, ever it was worth ever cursing out that I had that he did. You know what? You know what? He had to come to the conclusion that he was lost. He had to come to the conclusion that Jesus was God. He had to come to the conclusion that Jesus was resurrected. And he had to come to the conclusion that he must humble himself before God. Amen. See, that's the problem with most folks. Yeah. They won't humble themselves. That's right. God will never save a prideful person, an arrogant person, a self-righteous person. Amen. They must come to the point of where they humble themselves before God because he's given more grace to the humble. Amen. He giveth more grace to the humble. Let me... Let me uh, close with this. I've been preaching now for 53 years. This coming November, be 53 years. I've been saved for 54 years this summer, last of June. I have never dealt with anybody that got saved that did not humble themselves before God. Amen. One of the problems that we have is people think that they are better than they are. I had at Bible college, this young man's dead. Now he had some kind of genetic problem and he died here just recently, about two years ago, I reckon. He was in my college and our college there at Westlake. I preached a message on great pretenders and dealt with a pretender as one that makes uh, acts like he's something he's not. And I dealt with the fact that there's many that will say, Lord, we've cast out devils in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. We've prophesied in your name. And he said, apart from me, you work, work iniquity. I never do. Right. And buddy, I'm telling you, God fell in that moment. God fell in that moment. My baby son got saved. He'd made several professions of faith. You know how preachers' kids do sometimes. 
and he'd made several professions of faith, but he knew God was dealing with him. He came to me, him and the quartet were singing. He came to me and uh, said, Daddy said, I want to be, I, I, I don't know if I'm lost or not. I said, hey, I don't know. Go around that corner. And I said, maybe, maybe if you pray and talk to God, he might show you where you are. Got two men to go over and pray with him. After a while, I heard him crying out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm lost. God say, well, that night, the power of God was still in there. And I preached a message there on you must be born again. I mean, I hammered it. I've talked about how that you can have a, be a good person and go to hell. Good people go to hell. Just like bad people that they're not born again. And I said, some of you here, you think you're good, but you're a worker of iniquity. And the Bible says that God hates the workers of iniquity. This young man came forward and knelt at the front altar, that front pew there, got up and was sitting there on the, on the pew just crying. And I said, what's the matter with you, son? I mean, this is after service. I said, what's the matter with you, son? He said, I, he said, I don't know that I'm saved. I said, I don't know either. But you know how to be saved. You've heard it all your life. You've heard what God said. You've heard that God will save whosoever will may come. And I said, you're a very prideful young man. You've got a lot of talents and a lot of things going. But I said, you're going to have to break down and that pride's going to have to get away. I said, go in there and sit down in my office. I'll be in there within just a few minutes. I walked in the door of that office and he sat by his whole countenance and changed. I said, what happened to you? He said, I got saved. He said, I got saved. He said, isn't it wonderful that God receives a repentant sinner? Mm. Amen. The Bible says, except you repent, we shall all likewise perish. See, we got a we got some philosophies today is that all you have to do is ask Jesus to save you. Prayer never saved anybody. You must be born again. You've got to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You've got to make a confession with your mouth afterward. But uh, let me ask you a question. When it talks about making a confession with your mouth, what about a deaf mute? What about a deaf mute, preacher? What about a deaf mute? They can't talk. So that must be the inner mouth. And then they've got to make it public. They need to make it public. He said, if you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my father. Yes, Amen. You see, you have got to come to the point to realize you're lost. And you've got to come to the point to realize that you can't save yourself. And that Jesus is the only hope. 
and he will save you if you'll humble yourself and seek his face. Every head bow and every eye close. Give me a piano, please. Piano player, please. Somebody play the piano. I want you to play that same song that we played this morning. Or Don't play it like they do, okay? Never head bow, never eye closed. No one looking around. How I many of you here tonight? Every head bow, bow your head. Bow your head. Don't look around. Don't shut your eyes. How many of you here tonight will raise your hand and say, Preacher, if I die right now, now listen, God sees you. Don't you be lying. If I die right now, I know that I go to heaven. I'm, I'm saved and I know it. Slip your hand up. Let me say, Hi. Right. Hi. Right. Hi. Hi. Hands down. I may slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I'm not saved. God's been dealing with me. I may raise your hand up. Come on. Slip it up. Slip it up high. Slip it up high. Young lady, listen to me. You know you're lost. You know you need to be saved? Mm -hmm. Why don't you just get up out of your seat and come right here and I'll have somebody to do it. Come on. Give me a lady up here to deal with this young lady. Right here, just stand right here, okay? Give me a lady up here that can deal with this young lady. Amen. You know that you're lost, right? Yeah. And you know you deserve to go to hell. Mm -hmm. Well, go talk to her and tell her about that. Some of you couldn't raise your hand that you were saved. That means that means that you must be lost. Why don't you come up here and say, preacher, I want to be saved? Why don't you come on? How many of you here? How many of you here say, preacher, I'm saved, but I'm not the witness that I ought to be. I'm not telling folks about Jesus. And I'm, I'm not the witness I ought to be. How many slip your hand? Come on. Hi. 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 Okay. All right. Now listen to me. Jesus loves sinners. And you're supposed to be a witness to them. And Jesus saved. Why don't you crawl around these altars and get a hold of God and pray for this young lady that they're dealing with right here. Pray for her. Stand to our feet and come to these altars. Father, we thank you, Jesus. And Lord, bless this invitation. And give my new prayer. Young lady, pray, please. Stand to our feet. Stand up. Come on down here to these altars. Make that seat you are an altar. Get a hold of God right where you are if you can. Some of you can't get on your knees, just sit there in your chair and pray. Just get a hold of God and let God work in your life. God spoke to you. If you're not saved, come get me by the hand. Say, preacher, I want to be saved. And you know what? We'll have somebody tell you how to be saved. Here today, God spoke to you. Okay. Okay. Father, I felt the power of God in here.
this afternoon as I was preaching. I believe you're here speaking to our hearts. I pray first of all for this young lady that's yeah. been talking to her about her soul. I pray that she'll get saved. And Lord, for these that here that are praying and want to be better witnesses and whatever they need, Lord, I know you can supply if they would just receive it. Yeah. Help them to be what they ought to be for you. Amen. Lord, help this church to be alive and well. A, a, a house that uh, is, uh, has got uh, Jesus every time they walk in here and here whenever they can. Father, I pray now that you'll speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, as we wait on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go back to your seats and sit down. And, uh, look up here. Get down. All right, now let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Was it clear to you of what salvation is? Yeah.